Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Salvage Hunters Classic Cars Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan, and there's no Hello. Andrew. I'm probably not the one you're expecting. I'm the easy to get and inexpensive one to interview. I'm Paul. That's right. I'm joined by television's Paul Carroland. Hello, welcome. Yeah, thank you for listening. Because you guys have, uh, well, there's a, a new, the fifth series of Salvage Hunters Classic Cars. I oh, know five is, series. I think that is the definition, isn't it? That is the epitome of making a little talent go a long way into five series. And believe it or not, there are three more on the way. And I think that's a great example of when you've got two incredibly average presenters being propped up by a very talented crew. That's what yeah, that is. Well, it's the only possible explanation, really, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, well, I, yeah, I, we're, we're very I, lucky. We stand on the shoulders of giants, both in terms of the people that you know, create our show, film our show, edit our show. They're amazing people. But obviously, the people that have gone before us on our own channel, you know, people like Mike Brewer, who pretty much kind of created this genre of show, and all the other people that stand alongside us. You know, we get to work along that, and that kind of obviously rubs off on us. Um, yes, that's all I can say to that. Yes, it does. <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean, that, that's five series, to have had five series commissioned and another three is, is pretty good going in, in telly these days. So not not to be sniffed at. It is. I mean, I'm very lucky because obviously I get to work with basically a man who defines what the Quest channel is, Mr. Drew Pritchard. It is very hard to turn on Channel 12 on your television and Drew Pritchard is not on at any one point in time. In fact, there's a statistic in our channel somewhere in the world at the moment, Drew Pritchard is on television somewhere in the world. That's very true because, I mean, I, I um, oh, how much of this do I confess? So <laughs> it's been quite boring for the last few months. I don't know if anybody's noticed uh, because, you know, we've been in our own houses quite a lot. And uh, yeah, I took out a, a the, the Drew Player subscription. <laughs> Drew, That's Drew what Player. D-Play stands for. Yes. D-Play yeah. stood for, for Drew Player, yeah. That was that was the mental joke in my mind about that as as well, and and now of course I have Drew Play Plus. Oh, did you like it? I don't know. All I ever see is Drew. I, there's a lot of Salvage Hunters has been watched. A lot of Salvage Hunters. There's a lot of car shows. There's a lot of other very good shows. If you don't know, mm. I must get a corporate plug in while I'm here. My paymasters will love me for it. So what we're talking about is Discovery Plus, and it's only twenty nine ninety nine, and that's basically pretty much every show Discovery has ever made in one place, like Disney+, Plus, but with older, wrinklier cast members. Yes, and fewer songs, thankfully. Yes. Although, a great story, actually, we did want to do a song in Salvage Hunters. We bought a Capri, and we were singing, just we didn't know it was going to go into the edit, but Drew and I sang the theme from the professionals whilst driving a Capri 2-litre S. They tried to put it in the edit, and you may know in broadcasting, if you put any song into any kind of broadcastable product, uh-huh. You have to get it. You have to get it clearanced. Basically, you have to go to the song's composer and say there is an interpolation of your song going out in the show. Are you happy to clear it? And how much money do you want to do it? And he said it was such a faithful rendition. He wanted eight hundred pounds. Really? Eight hundred pounds, and it was the worst rendition of the professionals I've ever heard. I, I'm not going to sing it now because you might fall into no, the same no, problem. Because we, yeah. we we would have in, we would have the same issue. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Despite the fact that. It was probably three of the notes were correct. Yeah. They, that's, so anyway, we are way off topic. I knew this was going to happen. I mean, this happened before we even started pressing record. We ended up chatting for about three times longer than we should have done. Um, but yes, Salvage Hunters Classic Cars, in case anybody who's missed the last five minutes doesn't know, 
what happens? Come on, what's the kind of synopsis of a show? Salvage Hunters Classic Cars. Well, I think it's fair to say we haven't reinvented the wheel. We are basically two friends that go buying cars, which are generally in a poor condition. We then make them into a much nicer condition, normally by doing most of the work ourselves in our own workshop and then visiting the various specialists and artisans around the UK. And then at the end of that, uh, we hopefully sell them for more money than we paid for them. I think what makes our show slightly unusual is the emphasis is less on us and more on the people that we visit. And Mm -hmm. dare I say, what we've really tried to major on is just making every single part of the show real. So the people we see are real, the cars we buy are real, the people we buy them from are the people we buy them from, the prices we pay are the prices we paid, the person that buys the car is the person that now owns the car. So we've tried to base it very much in reality. So that was important to us because Drew's show, Savage Hunters, was always based that way. And then the other thing that we don't like about other shows or didn't like about other shows was fake jeopardy, nonsense, has to be done by Friday, has to be done for this car show. Because in the motor trade, that just doesn't happen. With the exception of motorsport, which is an immovable deadline, you can't not be at your race. In classic car restoration, there's always another show. A, you know, a discerning buyer will always understand if the car has been delayed for some reason, and most buyers would rather have a car right than done to a date. So we've we've never rushed and we've never created fake jeopardy. We've never created fake deadlines because I just don't think you need to to make it interesting. I think the process is interesting enough on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that really is one of the things you major on. I mean, I'm sure that Alton Towers, other theme parks are available, uh, will be will be quite disappointed that you're not sort of going there to make friends again at the 11th hour after Drew's thrown a hammer at you or something. But, um, he, but he might do that occasionally. You know, he has got a terrible temper, awful man to work with, really. But I think we managed to gloss over that on screen, and no one's noticed. Well, there is one. There is one moment in this series where there was a bit of a. Was he really that angry? Well, it's hilarious. So that that moment, I think you may be referring to the Citroen DS episode, which, if this goes out on Friday, will have hopefully we'll already be out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that is, so we drove a Citroen DS, which to be fair to Drew had been stuck in a barn for five years, but you have to understand that Drew has just no mechanical sympathy at all for anything old. If it doesn't work as it should have done when it was new, Drew is not interested. So at the start of any restoration journey, we've always got this problem that Drew isn't happy to drive a car that isn't behaving as it should. And this poor Citroen DS that had been slumbering in a barn for five years. We woke it up. We have a farm to drive around. And it wouldn't go into gear and it wouldn't do all the things that you want it to do. And understandably, he got quite upset. What was really funny, he, I mean, this, this is not for TV because he didn't know at that point, and you'll know this from the camera angle, he didn't know the camera was on him. Mm-hmm. And he literally drives it into a pile of scrap and just slams the door and, and huffs off because he just had enough. The car was being such a little expletive. It, uh-huh. he, he just got out of the car so bad enough. But amazingly, the camera was on. It was a long, long way away. But yeah, very good cameraman and director, Chris Kershaw, just like, right, I'm rolling on this, I'm rolling on this. Got him coming out of the car and it ended up in the show. Yeah, it was far enough away and just the way it happened, it wasn't intentional. You know, it would have been slicker if it had been intended, I think. Yeah, there's a lot about our slow could be slicker because we don't script either. Our show is complete. You'll probably tell. I mean, it's very well edited. Don't get me wrong. We are not as funny as we are edited to be. We are, you know, very much blessed in that department by people taking all the things we say. And we just talk for eight hours in the working day, as friends do. And -hmm. somebody much cleverer and funnier than us cuts that up into funny segments. But that's nice because we don't have to try and hit jokes or, you know, make puns or they just come to you during the day. Hopefully that's more entertaining. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think so anyway. Bless you. 
I've already I've already watched the whole series. So oh, have you binged? I on the well, player. Do you know what? I tried not to, and I and I failed. I tried to 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 limit myself to one episode a day, and you know, fill in with other stuff. But I think it was such a oh that was it. It was just after it was just after Christmas Boxing Day, and I really didn't move all day. And so there were a couple of I watched like two or three in one day then, and that ruined. Oh, it. thanks, mate. It's all right. It's good. We're, we're, we're quite I'm a that series, true. you'll probably notice uh, because the stuff we're filming now is all obviously very COVID safe. We're noticing forthcoming series. We're not allowed to shake anybody's hand. It always seems quite rude. You'll see that when we're standing next to contributors in forthcoming series, obviously we're always two meters away. But the start of series five, it was very much before lockdown. We we were doing parts mm. of that show, you know, almost two years ago. I, and I therefore, you know, hand, yeah, yeah, it's a long time in the can, as it were. Long time. Yeah, because that that I, I was going to ask when it had started because because it was it was quite strange at, at, at the beginning because of course you go in you shake someone's hand it's like <laughs> yeah I do that now well if, if you see that please don't be alarmed viewers and listeners because that's how we did it so if you can imagine that show was actually ready for last March because we had a series go out just before mm -hmm. the start of the original lockdown lockdown one yeah a new hope whatever it was called. And then obviously lockdown three, whatever on return of the lockdown now. It's yeah, uh, but we, we held it back. They do seem to like to do a new series in January. Every year we seem to do a new series in January. Our very clever schedulers work out when's the best time to do it. And apparently people obviously after Christmas just want a bit of fun, a bit of fun and a bit of nonsense, basically. Aye, exactly. So does is that what I mean the you've we've chatted already about the 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 sort of the the distinct lack of jeopardy. Um and is that why the series lengths vary a bit? So it's only five this time. It was I can't remember how many the last the last set. There's always before. five to be fair. It's always five. It's always five. Yeah, it's it's a funny number to do, but we seem to have got into that groove of doing five episodes. And believe it or not, it takes almost a year to make five episodes of that show with two <laughs> cars in each episode. What we've done on this one, which is unusual, one episode has one car, which is an MGA, because we just thought we'd try. To be fair, based on Twitter, you and I both do a lot of Twittering. And Aye. we just asked people, we said, if we had a car that we felt justified showing a bit more detail, would you guys like to see one car, one episode? And so many people said, yes, we just thought we'd try it. So it'd be I, interesting I got, to see what people think. Well, I got to the end of that. I'll tell you what I think. Um, I got to the end of that and it got to the end of the show and I thought, oh, there was only one car. He didn't notice until the end. I hadn't really noticed until it got to the end. And it was like, oh, there was only one car in there. That was yeah, really and also you may notice we didn't sell it either because we didn't have time when that series had to be handed in, when your homework has mm. to be handed in, to actually get that car sold. Because the one thing we won't do is we won't do a fake sale. If we can't find a genuine buyer within the production window, we just say, look, the car was worth this when we bought it. We spent this much money and we think it's worth about this. Which if you ever watch Original Salvage, the antiques one, that's exactly yeah. what happens there. You know, you say, you know, Drew bought an old chest of drawers. He smashed it with a leather belt or something, whatever he does. <laughs> It's distressed it, and now it's worth eleven to million pounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, in antiques yeah. you just get to make the prices up. Obviously, it's great. It, it does. It does seem that way. But have you have you had any have you had any cars that really haven't sold? Well, there's a couple that took a while. The Range Rover took a little while to do, mm -hmm. and that's an interesting one. Uh, that went to Coy's auction and sold at Coy's auction. Just right. at the problem where Coy's had all of their problems. So we'll oh, yeah. we'll leave that one there. For legal reasons, okay. yes, I'm sure. Delighted yes. to say that the gentleman that paid for the Range Rover got his Range Rover. 
but he was the one happy party, I think, in that entire transaction. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, that's yeah. very much outside your control, that one. Yeah, but that's that's that one. So that one was an interesting one. And the other one that took ages to sell was the Jaguar, the pre-HE Jaguar XJS Mark One, actually, which took uh-huh. an absolute eon to sell and was then bought by a gentleman in London because it's a 79 car that obviously is tax exempt, is MOT exempt, is ULES exempt. It's kind of everything exempt. Uh-huh. And this gentleman thought that he would beat the system by driving a 5.3 V12 in the middle of London every day. Funnily enough, wasn't such a great buy. So he asked if he could send it back. And we thought rather than fall out with him, we'd let him. Yeah, because you're nice folk. Well, you know, so I actually ended up buying that car off the production because it was such a nice car. And there's not that many pre-HEs about either. So that is now sitting in the Cowland collection, that one. Is it? Well, you see, I'd really wanted... You see, we're doing this now at series five what i'd really wanted was was to do this about series four and to come up and chat to you rather than remotely as we are today to actually do it you know face to face because that would have been lovely wouldn't it much much easier and you're only about an hour or so away really so yeah um what else was i gonna say oh yeah um there's one other thing that i've noticed in this series which is different from others is that drew's and this could be coming over from normal salvage hunters, is that <laughs> Drew's always talking about, oh, we've got to keep it original, original condition, this, that, the next thing. And then all of a sudden in this series, ZTEC engines were mentioned in one episode, which isn't what happened. Uh, and then just he just seemed to want to modify the socks off everything. I know. I noticed that as well, and it's been bizarre. So anybody that's been kind enough to stick with us since the start of the series will have noticed, as Alan says, that I generally like to modify things. That's my background. I used to be a Subaru tuner. I've built loads of show cars. And Drew likes everything to look like it came either off the showroom floor, out mm. of the brochure, or a combination of those two and patinated to the present day. But recently, we've noticed a strange trend that Drew is starting to want to do engine swaps, uprate suspension, do funky things with the interior. I think, if you pardon the expression, I've been rubbing off on him. Really? Well, he's not yeah. started putting plastic down the outside of everything in the sort of Zen. Not yet. Stroke, he did paint wickerwork on a Morris Minor Traveller. I don't know if you saw that one. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's a. And I was. That was one of the ones where sometimes you guys are talking stuff through, and I think oh, that's going to be not so great. Well, it doesn't matter. Then... I won't spoil the surprise. I won't do a spoiler, but there is an episode, the single car episode we mentioned, where we do something or we try something that Drew came up with, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. And we had this discussion with our producer, John. He's a lovely man. Hello, John, if you're listening. And we said to John, look, we think we've got this wrong. Or more to the point, I think Drew's got it wrong. And we obviously went to see the specialist. She did exactly what we asked her to do. She did it mm-hmm. to the letter as we asked her to do it. And she executed the design brief faultlessly. So no fault to her. Kudos to her. She did her job to the letter. But it was just a bad idea. And Drew yeah. and I looked at the car and said, look, this thing that we've done is a bad idea. So we said to the producer, we need to show that we made a mistake. Put it in the edit and let people see you don't get a show car right every time. You don't get a restoration right every time. And the channel's always quite nervous about letting us be seen to be anything other than perfect. But anyone that's restored a car knows you don't get it right all the time. And I think we should always show, if we get it right, we should show it. If we mm-hmm. have a bump in the road along the way, I think that's just better telly. I just don't know how the episode could really have worked. Otherwise, I think the editing, obviously, right from the start would have had to be different because it had been, it was an idea that had been talked about for, you know, a good 10 minutes by the time you were that far into the episode. And then you saw it and it was just like, 
no, 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 he can't. Does it work? It does it work? But the the end result there was was really cool. I really liked that in the end. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we got there in the end on that cast. I'm not going to spoil and tell you what we did or what we did wrong. But if you watch that episode, it's the MJ episode, and you'll probably realise at the moment it comes out, you go, "True, what are you doing?" Well, he starts talking about making it black for starters. (laughs) Yeah, paints it black. Do you remember the fast show? Do you remember that? uh, I think it was Charlie Higgs in the fast show. That painter, black as the night. That's, that's true, isn't it? He does that about three times out of nine cars. He would paint it's, every car black. He's a goth. I'm convinced he's a secret goth. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. No, that that just just does not compute. Absolutely doesn't compute. But I know why you're saying it. But yeah, it's it's it, it's nuts from that point of view. Uh, so I, it's really hard because there's lots of questions I want to ask about different cars, but I don't want to give anything away. So I'm I'm just not not going to so instead i'm going to fall back on the the old the old favorites really paul which is how do you find the cars in the first place well the same way that we all do really we've got a lovely team of people a really good guy called james who james costello who finds a lot of the cars for us he's on our team and james has the enviable task of surfing car and classic ebay owners clubs for sales pages facebook marketplace even sometimes and also, we've got a WhatsApp group, as a lot of shows do have, where everybody on the show is encouraged. If you find a cool advert, send it in. I, I imagined, I was, yeah, I imagined that would be something to do with it, where there was basically just, you know, anybody who sees something, let us know. Yeah, that's it. So we have that and we get it through. Then we have to get the channel to approve it, because obviously the cars that we would want to buy, particularly me, you know, the weird and wonderful stuff that I like. Oh, yeah. My car, my car show, if I made a car show and commissioned it, would be full of weird body kits one-off unusual things, stuff that people just wouldn't watch, basically. Japanese imports that nobody knows what they're called. Exactly just, that. Yeah, a bit a bit like mine. Exactly. Yeah. So that would be my dream show, but about three people would watch it. One of them would be you, so thanks for mm-hmm. that, Alan. But obviously, commercially, it would be a disaster. So there's a much cleverer strata of people above us at the channel that say, right, okay, here's your long list of cars you want to do. From that long list, there's about three that are probably, if the show is shown all over the world as it will be, that will understand what that car is and will want to watch it. So if you look, we, we tend to stick with the core classics, cars that people have heard of all over the world, just because we know more people will watch it and it will resonate with a bigger audience. Mm-hmm. And it's quite neatly done, because if there is something that is a bit unusual, like there is in the last episode of the series, which people may not be as aware of, then it's with something that everybody knows. Yeah, that's how we try to do it. Try and mix and match. If you've got something weird and obscure, as you say, try and balance it with something a little bit more bit more obvious nothing wrong with an obvious classic and we like the stuff that's numerically popular as well because it hopefully means that people can be watching the show looking on ebay in the break seeing if they can find one going on car and classic trying to find a trying to find a version of that one of my proudest moments i had a friend who was doing some contract work for ebay and we did an episode on the rover p6 now rover p6 Mm. as a search term on ebay i don't know it's probably search term twenty thousand seven hundred and fifty three in the ranking if it if it's and that's just in automotive or classic yeah you know know, people don't search for rover p6 stuff that much but what was interesting as that episode went out the car was very cheap i think it was two grand to buy two grand or so to fix and we sold it for about six grand but during that show going out for the first time rover p6 i think got into the top 20 or 30 of search terms on ebay for half an hour it's because so many people watching the show oh rover p6 they're cheap i might try and buy one and that's what I love about the show is trying to create that desire in the audience to replicate either the car we've bought, one of the jobs we've done, visiting one of the specialists we've gone to see. That, to me, is hopefully what the show is all about. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and 
because I, yeah, I've always liked the Rover P6. It's the the British Citroen DS, as far as I'm concerned, because it's flipping clever. Yeah, um, and also like it's hugely underappreciated. Yeah, great example because the DS is just a skeleton car as well, to which every unstressed panel comes off, and the P6 is exactly the same. As long as you've got one that's got a good internal structure, it doesn't matter how battered the bodywork is. Yeah, it's, it, it is. You can sort of pretty much mix and match it on the driveway. Uh, yeah. As long as you don't mind the, the colors being a bit weird. Yeah. So, one other question I've been thinking about one thing that, that always is sitting at the back of my mind are have you ever had any cars where you've gone, you've bought them, you've got them back to the garage, and you've gone, oh, yes. Oh, actually, we really messed up here. Yes. 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 So, I won't embarrass the person who helped us to find that car so at the very beginning on the first day of filming of salvage hunters classic cars this was three years ago we had then a gentleman in inverted commas that used to help us find and locate the cars so we wanted a jensen interceptor we all wanted to do one the lads of the workshop wanted to do one the channel thought it was a great idea he went and scouted this car for us said it's a great car it's an express car we think a little bit scabby on the outside but where it matters it's sound so we went up paid all the money for this car which you won't have seen on TV yet, even though we filmed it three years ago. I think we paid about £27,000 for this white, tan interior, Jensen Interceptor, late model. Uh-huh. Got it back to the workshop. Now, there are things you can do when you buy a Jensen Interceptor. All the buyer's guides will tell you, all the places you can check when you're on the driveway. But you can't really do on a Jensen because it's a hand-built car made of little tiny panels by a bloke in the West Midlands. There's things you can't do until it's on your ramp and your name is on the V5, and you can start then really hacking about and cutting and inspecting. Pulking and when we started to do drivers, that, yeah. yeah, exactly, because you can't do that on someone's drive. It's just rude, and you know, <laughs> and it's not it's not nice. You can't be poking holes in someone's car because if you then choose not to buy it, you've obviously devalued the car that you've looked at. So we went as far as we could on the driveway during the pick on the show. When we got it back to the workshop, it was very clear that the car that we had bought was probably the worst Jensen Interceptor in the world. Did it actually bark? Was it that much? Oh, of a, mate, it, it wouldn't even have had the vegetables to bark. It just, there's, no, there's nothing to it. Honestly, there is just a series of poor repairs held together with dust and filler, basically. And the seats, the floor, the wheels, the engine and gearbox and glass is probably about all we can save from that car. But because it is genuinely a press car, and what's lovely, again, without giving too much away, yeah. We really kind of do a deep dive into the archaeology of the car, including going back to Martin Roby, who has all the Jensen records, find mm-hmm. out that it genuinely was a, a press car. And then obviously at that point, it's a different equation. It needs saving. It's probably worth a significant investment. But I cannot see us making money on that car. And it's become a standing joke because people have seen it in the brake bumpers and go, right, oh yeah, Jensen Interceptor, when's that coming? But anyone that's ever done a Jensen will know, you, you can't do them quickly. They, you just can't. They... They are famous for being for, for having for, for just just being one of those cars which you have to have properly deep pockets to actually yeah. consider saving, which is a shame because they are wonderfully looking things. They sound great. Um I've driven one and I, I and I thought it was fantastic apart from the non-working wipers in the um deluge. Because but West Midlands. It, because yeah, because, because West Midlands. British, British car, West yeah. Midlands, that time, it's just what happens. Um, but, yeah, I, I always figure that the, the, the Salvage Hunters classic cars w- won't end until we've seen the Jensen. I think once we've seen the Jensen, then I'll, then I'll actually get worried that there might not be any more. 
But that's it. Well, I, I, so I think that could be a, a very clever trick on behalf of the production team, actually, that maybe if they spin that one out for six or seven years, they'll just keep commissioning them until that card's finished. <laughs> We've sunk so much money into this, Jensen. Yeah. How can we possibly make it back? I think that you could have actually made a small series for how much that car has cost to put together. I think we're going to end up spending six figures on that car, including buying it, to end up with a car that's probably worth about 10 grand less than that. But it will be absolutely beautiful, and it will have been to the best specialists. It will. And then there will be bills to prove that as well. And that's the Mm. thing. We do do the cars. There's this thing about television restorations, aren't there, where people wonder to what quality they are done and how much restoration work and would they stand alongside a concourse car? And we've done two or three now. We did an MGC, which was to concourse standard. We did a Fiat 130 Coupe, a Fiat 500. Both those cars were to concourse standard. So we try and put them out. They don't necessarily happen quickly, in some cases over a year to do a car properly. But you know, the car show that I always used to benchmark was Car SOS. Some of the stuff I've seen them do has been phenomenal. I've seen those cars in the museum and they are beautifully done. So we kind of said, right, that's the baseline. We want all of our cars to be at least that good. And on a couple of cars, we've gone to concourse level. And then there's a car we're doing now, a Lancia Fulvia, that we are literally working with the club and Lancia. We're going to try and do a 100-point concourse car. We've never done that before. We've done exceptionally nice cars, but we are going to try and do a literal 100-point concourse car. Because that the 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 Fiat was was quite quite something. It was absolutely stunning. Thank but, you. Yeah, but that, I mean, again, that's down to these amazing guys we've got in the workshop. Anyone that used to uh, or still does watch Wheeler Dealers will remember Paul Brackley, Paul that used to wander on and help Ed China. Paul Brackley and his son Sam work in our workshop now for Savage Hunters Classic Cars. We managed to snaffle them, and we've got Michael and Dave as well who are our technicians, and they are probably the foremost talented engineers and car builders in the UK who can work to a ridiculous standard under the pressures of TV production, which is very hard to do. It's very hard to keep yeah. your quality high when you've obviously got that production schedule just kicking you along. But those lads can, they're amazing. And that's why the cars are so good. Yes, we go out to all these specialists to get various jobs done, but the common theme, the common talent is those four lads in the workshop who put them all together. And that's why the cars are so brilliant. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the going out to the specialists is one of those things that you've you've become pretty well known for. Again, some of them you just think, how did you how did you find this this person in the shed in? I was going to say Nottingham, but they, you probably walked out your door and turned right. But, you know, <laughs> the ones in, in Nottingham, I tend to know. But again, you know, you know, yeah. some we do know. I mean, the nice thing is, I'm 28 years in the motor trade this year, so I have a fairly extensive black book. But again, we've got a brilliant team of researchers who are every day going to find these people, recce these people, see what the place is like. Because what we try to do is not just find an amazing person with a great skill, but also in an interesting location. So if we found a metal polisher who had a really wonderful, super glossy building and one was down a little back street in the cobbled road with a lovely Mm. kind of lean-to shack, it's probably the lean-to shack we'll go to, simply because it's it's a little guy. We're trying to shine the light on the little guy, really. I feel I can talk about the DS episode, the, the chap in Kent. Oh yeah, when you went to for for the radio, that was fantastic. Olivier. Yeah, yeah. That, and he was such was... a delight to film with as well. So I just went there. Funny enough, I literally got straight back from the Nurburgring. I drove back that morning from the Nurburgring mm-hmm. and went straight to the shoot to meet Olivier, who is this amazing Citroen DS specialist. And he has everything. He has a barn full of beautiful cars that he's either working on or has for sale. There was a CX Palace there that I nearly bought when I was there because it was so nice, but ten grand. I just <laughs> Couldn't quite justify yeah. it. Every seat, every spare, every radio. And if you're looking to do a, seat, uh, a DS, he is the man. He's just a phenomenal guy. Really wonderful host. And he had everything we needed. 
yeah no it was it was really cool that and the the other one that stuck in my mind is the the wheel trim chap oh yeah wheel, wasn't he amazing i know it just yeah because i've seen you know i i i know about that technique anyway because you know product designer and all these things in the past and uh but just to see it done and so quickly and so accurately and and then yeah oh yeah we've got the original we've got the original molds it's just like yeah what? i know it's incredible <laughs> i think they've been going i can't remember the date because drew went to see them but i think this um, is um, older Alan, than the car yeah i think it's 1890 something they start yeah. and they're yeah, still they, there still the same family own it still i think in the same building and in some cases some of the hand tools they're using are the same tools yeah Plays your mind doesn't it yeah absolutely and it's what we're so good at doing in this country we really are good at, at you know when you say man in shit men in sheds it, it sounds demeaning and i really don't mean it that way but that kind of small craftsman small craftsman craftsmanship that's well done yeah yeah but you know you know what i'm trying to say the that's just it's we're awesome at it and it's well it it's really is and that was it when we sat down three odd years ago to kind of come up with the the premise for the show because obviously car makeover shows have been done before we knew that we weren't breaking the mold by doing a car makeover show there's some fantastic shows out there a lot of them on our channel but what we wanted to do was something slightly different and we wanted to make it all about and of course brexit had been announced a year before and we thought well let's just make it a bit of a love letter to british craftsmanship basically because mm-hmm. we think the country is full of these ridiculously talented people as you say let's make it all about them that's why the show is less about us and more about them because they are the stars of the show the one about about you by the way did you was it going off on a complete tangent and this is and this is just me being nosy really is that when was there any kickback from traditional salvage hunters watchers that the dynamic between you and drew is very different from the dynamic between say him and and t who normally you know drives van does it and extracts the urine but drew's the expert whereas all of a sudden there are two experts and you don't necessarily agree. Well, I think that's what makes you so good. What's interesting and a lot of people don't know is T is actually Drew's school friend. So he and Drew have known yeah. each other since they were in short trousers. So they almost have a verbal shorthand with each other, which I think is very funny. Drew and I have only known each other about six or seven years. I've become very good friends. But as you say, there's, there's a power difference where it's on our show. I mean, on certain cars, it's interesting because a few people say, you know, why is an antique dealer doing a car show? Drew is... You know, I would put him on air-cooled Porsches, air-cooled Volkswagens, early Land Rovers, and any Bugatti pre-war. I'd put him in a room with anybody for a game of Masterminds, and I think he'd probably score. He is phenomenal on those cars. He is an encyclopedic knowledge. But then on other cars that aren't those, he he doesn't know. And what I love about him, though, he doesn't pretend to know, and he doesn't pretend to be interested. And we've seen it on cars like the Mark One MR2. He just he isn't interested in learning about the car. He doesn't want to know why it's so fantastic. He doesn't care. It's probably one of the best engines ever made. He just isn't interested. It's. I find it hilarious because, of course, it's all the stuff that 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 you and I really, really like. Oh, big time. And and can nerd out on for hours. You know, I don't know. To pick a hypothetical example, Super SVX, for example, you you could knock me into the weeds on that one. But I just can't imagine that he would be interested in the whole Giorgio styling and the flat six and the, all, all these kind of clever things. No, he just wouldn't care. I mean, really interesting. When we did the Mark 1 MR2, when we sat down with the production team, I mean, Drew literally said when we did that car, I'm not interested. Do whatever you want to it because I just don't care. 
and they went off and did whatever the other car was in that episode. Mm. So we just sat down and I said, well, what I'd really like to get for that car is a set of JDM flip-up fog lights, which I'd seen somewhere in a brochure. And it took us, I think, six weeks to find on Japanese eBay. And there was some ridiculous amount of money, 400 quid, I think. Yeah, they are. Plus shipping. So much money. But we managed to find a good set that apparently worked, got them over, they did work, fitted them to the car. And of course, we were so excited. Like, we found this amazing accessory. It worked. It came over. It didn't get lost in customs. It fitted the car beautifully. And Drew, just, he, he couldn't have been more horrendous. <laughs> but it all goes on camera. And I love the fact, whatever he says, that's his genuine opinion. It's not a 4TV opinion. It's not made up. No. If he likes it, he likes it. If he hates it, he hates it. And they just film it either way. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and those are like those those fog lights are like hen's teeth. They if anybody doesn't doesn't appreciate the rarity of those, they they're just they are the ultimate accessory, really, which is just just doesn't it's unobtainium here in the here. In yeah, the, well, in well, it's quite chef because we managed to find them through again our wonderful production team did all the legwork on that, but even a few high up people in the Mark One MR2 world. Uh, dm'd me on twitter and says how did you find them i thought wow there you go we've done a yeah. good job if you've got people in the scene you know who know much more than i do about mr2s if they're asking me how i got them we must have done something right yeah absolutely nailed it anyway we've waffled quite a lot we not, have not necessarily on topic um but how can people if people actually want to watch the show rather than listen to two people talking about the show uh how can they how can they find it where can they see it well, there's easy ways. This is out on Friday. So on Wednesdays at nine o'clock on Channel 12 on Quest on your Freeview television. So there's no charge. We're on every Wednesday at nine o'clock and various repeats throughout the week as well. If you're feeling flush and want to treat yourself, you can go on to Discovery Plus, our new streaming service, $29.99. For that's for a year, year, by the way. That's yeah. for a whole year. So it's fairly good value, I would say. And also, if you want to, it's a 14-day free trial. So if you just want to try a few see if you like it 14 day free trial if you don't cancel you've lost nothing you can binge 14 days worth of shows to so take two weeks off work watch all the shows cancel it. you've had them for free there you go with that confident that you'll like it so they're the two ways you can watch it or i guess it would just be repeated forever and ever and ever as all salvage hunters are on quest till time immemorial forever and ever amen it's quite funny because drew now has got 10 years of salvage hunters and of course in 10 years you age fairly phenomenally particularly with drew's athletic lifestyle that he likes to lead and it's when you watch the little whippersnapper drew from salvage hunter season one it's like who's that guy <laughs> it's it's quite funny yeah i've been watching i started from the beginning because i'm a complete masochist uh, <laughs> I, i'm a completionist masochist you like to watch so the whole seen, set well having seen lots of ones scattered about I, I started from series one episode one and i've been watching my way through them and it's kind of funny actually just the way stuff's evolved it is interesting and also that's why i'm looking forward to this edit of this jensen episode because we will have aged three and a bit years throughout the course of 44 screen minutes you're like what the hell happened on that car <laughs> so we are going to gain gray hairs and wrinkles in the course of a one-hour television program so that should be quite an interesting show to make. It'd be like a grand designs almost level of continuity. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it is. It is ultimately your 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 equivalent of a grand design on 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 Salvage Hunters. I think it's a hundred grand design that one. I think. <laughs> oh, so much. I wish I'd thought of that one, Paul. If people want to want to find out more about you, follow you, 
find out what you're up to, um, all the other projects that you have ongoing all the time, uh, not just on the telly. Uh, what's the best way for them to, to to keep in touch and to? So you can find me anyway. You can find me on Twitter or on Instagram on Paul Callan underscore. I have signed up for TikTok, but I just think we're too old for TikTok, aren't we? I think unless yeah, you can do dancing in the, in the middle of a car park, then I just don't think you should be on TikTok. Snapchat. But. I'm 42. I feel I'm far too old for Snapchat. Yeah, I've never tried Snapchat. No, me neither. I've got Snap camera somewhere, but that's it. You know, it's it's, it's beyond me. So yeah, Paul Callan underscore. And I must say as well, while we're on here, a blatant plug for my good friend, Drew Pritchard. He's got a book out. It's called A Man With A Van. It's been massively sanitized and cleaned up. I saw some of the first draft of what he wanted to say about his memoir, his great life, his rock and roll life as an antique dealer and television star. And the, the channel has gone through and hugely cleaned it up. So it's quite a sanitized version. Very safe for children to read, I'm pleased to say. I think when he retires from television, that will be the one to buy. The warts and all Drew Pritchard autobiography. But this one is very entertaining. I've read a few chapters. Got some multisyllabic words in it as well. So I think he might have had some help. Oh right. Okay. Um what about the um what about the cat range? The cat range. Yeah, anyway, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Mate, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we are such a pair of kids. Uh nonetheless, thanks to Paul for making time to chat. It's always an absolute pleasure. Uh, as we said, at the time this comes out, Salvage Hunters Classic Cars is on on Wednesday evenings on Quest, as well as available via the Discovery Plus app. Don't forget, though, that between now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. To get in touch with me, it's best to use Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. And to get in touch with Andrew, search for Cracked Windscreen on Twitter. We'll be back before very long, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley, and safe motoring.